Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Kickback with Nadem. Yes, he is I and I am him. And today I'm alongside my co-host, Yudi. How are you doing, my guy? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good. To be fair, I'm going to stop just saying that you're here because you, you, we're always here. So there's no point saying, oh, look, and Yudi's here this time. It keeps me on my toes, though. Like, I don't want to get to a situation where I think I've affixed you. So. Yeah, okay. That, that's fair. That's fair. Because, you know, this is kickback with Nadem, not kickback with... Yeah, but anyway. So <laughs> this week, there's not going to be a guest to guest, okay? But instead, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the theme of the show. And the theme of the show, um, based on the interview I've just had, is about the quest to play in the Premier League, okay? But before I go any further... We've got a milestone to celebrate. I bet you didn't know this, okay. did you? I did not know that. Okay, so today's episode is actually episode number 80. Yeah, that's right. Eight zero. Eight zero. Big. Look, look at the range. We've made it to 80. Jeez. I know, I know. That's a that's a lot of time. Because I remember speaking to Ryan when um we were approaching like 24 hours of episodes. And here we are. We're at, we're at 80 and it's... uh. And we're rolling, man. We're rolling. So I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. So I need to say thank you to everybody who's contributed so far and give a big shout out to everybody who's actually listened to every episode. But I need to know who you are. So make sure you let me know on social media. And Yudi, the social media handle is? Uh, kickback underscore Nadem. And where's that? Instagram and Twitter. Oh, this guy. He's one of those day ones. He's one of those day one guys. And yeah, yeah. I like that. And also one final thing. And while you're here, you know, the time's arrived. The time's arrived to beg. Okay. So again, <laughs> why don't you do me a favor and rate and review the show on iTunes? This is what I'm being advised to say. Yes, I'm a puppet, but what of it? So please do that for us. And thank you. But anyway, back to it. Okay. So Yudi, got a question for you. Sure thing. How far up the English football pyramid did you manage to make it in your life? Um, so actually won the Champions League. That that was on Football Manager, but- <laughs> Okay, that. so let's talk real life then, since, since, you, <laughs> since you want to play a play. In the real life, how far yeah. have you made it up? Uh, play, play, played a little bit of Isthmian Prem. Okay, did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah I played a little bit. Okay. And did you have ambitions to make it higher or was that your level? No, zero interest. Zero interest and not the requisite amount of ability. How do you know if you never made it to that next level? Mm, that's a very good question uh, because I played with people who made it to higher levels that weren't even at the top level who yeah. were much, much better than me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you don't think you could have played at a higher level than where you were at with this and Premier, yeah? No. Nah. No. Okay. Well, that's interesting because today, for today's episode, I spoke with Swansea City's Jake Bidwell to hear his story and his ambitions to see how far up the football pyramid he can go. So please, everybody sit back or climb mountains or go for trails like I know people back in Salt Lake City do and enjoy his story. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jake Bidwell. Right. So I'll try and be nice then since it's your first time on a podcast, you say, yeah? First time, yeah. So, uh, yeah, ease me in if you don't mind. Uh, uh, no worries, mate. No worries. Right. So, is this your second or third season at Swansea now? I, I'm in my second season, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, lockdown in between. But, uh, yeah, two years gone gone quick. They all go quick. But, 
it's um yeah with one thing and another it's just flown so um okay yeah two years but two years but enjoyed it enjoyed it so far okay okay don't 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 jump the gun just yet i'm just trying to do the lead in because what we do from this point is go all the way back and going back for you takes you back to everton's academy yeah so when did you join there so i was (laughs) strange story i think i've told you before so i was 11 when i first joined um was a was there as a keeper for two years? <laughs> yeah, uh, believe it or not, um, left. Just wasn't wasn't enjoying it. Um, sort of left. They told me to have six months off and sort of see how I feel. Um, and in that six months, ended up getting picked up, playing outfield with my mates um, as a centre half originally. Wow! So they they ended up just asking me to come back, do a bit of a trial as a, as an outfield player. And then ended up, so that was 13 at that point. Mm-hmm. And then, um, eventually got shifted out to left back and, and, and just went from there. So surely people in your age group must've been thinking, what's this guy coming back for? Like, why is he trying to be a defender? <laughs> How's that been a thing? No, it was, yeah. I look back now, it's a bit, obviously a bit strange. The, yeah, the lads must have thought, what's going on here? They, they, <laughs> Uh, yeah, one minute I'm a keeper and six months later they see me and I'm just joining in possessions and stuff so uh, that's brilliant now yeah, I, I look back now and I think it's probably the best decision I ever made because I was about the same height now <laughs> as, I, as I was when I was 13 so yeah I would have had no chance of a, as a keeper these days but um, so after you after you went to defence then for the team were you one of the sort of biggest prospects coming through because I saw you played most age groups for England and stuff so were you a big deal at that point or not um, I wouldn't say it was a big deal. Um, I say I ended up getting in. Well, to be fair, yeah, I ended up playing up, playing up the age groups really. Um, so I was sort of doing well for my age, but in terms of who was there in and around me, I was never. There was always a wonder kid sort of thing. The year above me was Jose Baxter. Yeah. Um. So he was always talked about, and then coming through below me was was Ross Barkley. Right. So okay. I was sort of. I was doing well, but I was sort of under the radar. Okay. It, it, a little bit, if you know what I mean. It was mm-hmm. always a, yeah, Jose Baxter, Ross Barkley were the two, really. But, um, and I was sort of just wedged in the middle, just, just going along, doing my own thing. And what was, because um, I've spoken to lots of people who've come from lots of different academies, but I've not heard the story of somebody coming through an Everton academy. So what's the sort of identity there? Is it about nice football? Is it about grit? Like, what is it that makes people successful there? I, I think... Looking back now, they they set you up very well as as a person more than anything. Okay. So there's yeah, you talk about the grit, determination. If you're not giving it hundred percent, sort of yeah, just hundred percent effort. That discipline element. I look back now and I think I could take I could take the the lessons I learned from the academy into any walk of life, um, and. It, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably say that is the main thing I look back at and that's the, the sort of non-negotiables. You look at other academies, or even Liverpool, the same city, mm-hmm. you look at their players and they're probably a bit more flair and probably a bit more arrogance, whereas Everton was just, that That was it. If, if you didn't have that about you, then you, you weren't going any further, to be honest. So, uh, Okay, so I guess that's why, like, because I know he's a person, you know, we're friends. So I get it. I can see Everton in you. The way you've described him then is how you, I feel like you're describing yourself. 
So clearly you did very well there. And you actually made your debut, didn't you? It was in a Europa League game. Was it against Barca Borisov? That's the one, yeah, Barca Borisov. So I was, uh, yeah, I was 16, 16 I was at the time, yeah. So, wow. um, yeah, it, it was, to be fair, the, it was strange the way it came about because the, the first team had a lot of injuries at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they, had, they had David Moyes, he was working with a small squad anyway. And as it happened, they, they qualified through the through the um, the group stage of the Europa League through to the knockouts, and they had a sort of dead rubber game game left in the group. Mm-hmm. So he, he didn't want to risk any any more players. So you know, changed the whole team. I was just I ended up yeah ended up making a debut, let's making let's, let's making put, an appearance to Everton in the, in Europa League. Let's, so, put, let's put some uh, respect on your name though, because it's not like an academy finishes at under 16s. So you didn't just arrive there by accident or whatever. Come on, come on. Let's 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 talk about it properly, Vince. Don't try to downplay it. Yeah. You made your debut yeah. for Everton at sixteen. Like that's not bad. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's not bad, and I think I still got the the record at the minute for youngest youngest player in Europe. So it's somewhat obviously look back on with pride. I would have liked to have made a lot more appearances for Everton, but yeah, at the end of the day, a one is a lot more than the most. So uh, you know, obviously proud of that, really. So. You've 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 met you've kind of mentioned that there, and I think to myself then. So why? How do you feel actually looking back at that time and having not made more appearances? Because you know to start at sixteen makes you think that there's going to be a positive future there. So why didn't it work out? Do you think? Uh, Leighton Baines. Ah, yeah, <laughs> that that old chestnut. In, yeah, yeah, he, he wasn't too bad, was in, he? In a nutshell, yeah, I think um, there obviously comes a time when you need to go out and play football, and you you got to be realistic. I'm looking at who's in front of me um, and you say Leighton Baines obviously people would know him but I think if it wasn't for Ashley Cole he would have made a whole lot more England appearances and that's how how, uh, how good I, I think he was and yeah. to be fair up until a couple of years ago when Lucas Digne came in it took someone of that quality to, to eventually get him out of the team and, and that's just the the levels you're working to so I think yeah. if I would have hung around at Everton I would have had to wait till I was 26, 27 <laughs> to get a game to be fair so the, you know there comes a time when you, you've got to look at your own career and, and think you you know you're going to have to forge your own path elsewhere really yeah you say you say that you say that and that although that is true I think that's half a story because Everton still need to let you go so how was that like yeah. did you have those conversations with them and they said that it's probably best that you left or was it just a case of it was your, just your decision <laughs> Um, it sort of came, oh, not gradually, but I think you could see the sort of the writing was on the wall. Because I went out to went out on loan to Brentford um, for six months, came back, done, did the preseason at Everton. Was in the same sort of boat, really. Was never really going to play. I think if even if something did happen to Leighton Baines, it would have been, you know, Phil Neville or someone would have got shifted over to left back. Okay. So um, ended up going to Brentford obviously doing doing okay they wanted me back for the next season um ended up doing a full season so i wasn't really in the building for 18 months right okay um and then it and then obviously um brentford wanted to keep me after at, at that point and then it was sort of just i i was happy there was playing progressing and everyone were happy to let me go so it was sort of just it was it wasn't really i was going in every day getting called into the office Right, that's it. You, you, you know, your time's up, sort of thing. You could sort of the writing was on the wall, sort of over a period of time, really. Um, which is something I came, you know, you sort of process over the, that length of time, and I could see myself progressing at Brentford and and sort of 
climb cl- climbing way back up the ladder if you like yeah so it wasn't it wasn't so bad that i could see i was at a place that you know i, I was progressing and it, it was going to take me to drop down a couple of levels to eventually hopefully work my way back up you see that's interesting you say that about brentford because i think most people today kind of recognize them as being that team who play nice football who are up near the top of the championship but you did join them mm-hmm. in league one so for me, looking at a player who's leaving a Premier League academy, who was one of the big prospects for his age group, did you not have any other options that were maybe a bit higher up at that time? Like, why did you choose Brentford? No, the, the, the first loan came about was was just major at the time phone where you said Brentford are interested. Do you want to go and play some games? I was like, yeah. <laughs> where, I, well, my answer was yeah, and then my second question was where is it? Because um, <laughs> you, you say. At, at, at the time, you say the, the you're going back, you know, best part of well, best part of ten years really, maybe a little bit less. But you say they were that, they were a team that sort of flickered between League Two and League One. Yeah. It's not the Brentford people think about nowadays. So, mm-hmm. um, but at, like I say, at that point, I, I knew my sort of pathway was blocked. I've been playing reserve team football for a, few, a couple of years wasn't it getting in squads or anything like that. I wasn't really getting any closer to the first team there, but they say you have to be realistic and, and, and look to go and, and play. So, um, that, that was my, that was, that was just my first option. Yeah. And, and at that point, you, you know, I, I was 18 at that point, I think I'm thinking, well, if I don't take this, something else might not ever come, you know? And then as it turned out, like, you know, like you say, now Brentford is that club at the top of the championship. And that's the way the club was going. The club was progressing as I was progressing. So it suited me quite nicely at that time. Yeah. So you ended, I think you ended up playing over 200 games for them, you know, helping go from League One to the Championship. I think you even had a Championship playoff run as well there with them. So that's all very interesting. And it seems like a very, very simple story. But one thing about Brentford is the fact that, you know, they recruit players in a very particular way, do they not? And did they do that, say, from back when you were signed? Because it's like the Moneyball system or something, isn't it? So, yeah, don't let the owner let you call it Moneyball, because I don't think... Sorry, I didn't, I, didn't call, I didn't call it Moneyball. It's the thing. It's the owner's system. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that sort of came in as, as I was getting there. So Matthew Benham, the owner, took over not long before I got there, I don't think. And, and before before his time, like I say, they were sort of the flicking between League One and Two, had the merry-go-round of players who were in that league. You know, you'd yeah. sign a one one year, one two year deal, then they move on. You get the next set of players, and I think he came in with the idea to change it. Mm-hmm. You know, brought the likes of myself in from academies that hadn't quite made it at that. You know, at, at the clubs, hungry young lads, and sort of went down that route with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of just starting as as I got there, and then by the time I left, you know, five six years later, you know, that was fully in 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 the swing of things with his way of running the club, really, which has obviously been successful for him. You know, so this is the thing about podcasts or whatever. Like I'm playing quite dumb here, but I want you to tell me specifically what that system is now, because you know, some people listening have never heard of it before. So how would you, what's the best way to describe it, do you think, in terms of how they recruit people? Um, it's, in a nutshell, it's it's just finding sort of rough diamonds. And, and well, they've got, first of all, I think they've got a playing model. So you have to have certain attributes to play a certain position in their team. 
And as simple as it sounds, let's say for an example, they want a striker that's going to run the channels. Yeah. If you if you don't do that and they, you don't fit their model in your position, they won't sign you. It's right. as simple as that. And as simple as it sounds, you think, well, why doesn't everyone just do it? But as as you know, being involved in football, that's not always how it works. Mm. So it's it's almost they look at they look at players that are over. I think the way they do it is look at players that are overperforming okay. or are sort of under the radar, if that makes sense. So, yeah. and I think that's why they get so many players that no one's ever heard of. They come into Brentford, all of a sudden they're ripping it up. Score, you know, the likes of Neil Mope, people like that, scoring thirty goals a season, mm-hmm. and and then who have been bought for one and a half, two million pounds, and then sold a year later for twenty plus million. Um, that's, that's interesting. That's interesting because you're saying the way you describe it is if they see it by eye, but are they looking at statistics though, or is it literally just by eye? I, I think it's. I think it's a bit of both. I think it's definitely statistics, but. The way the model is, I couldn't tell you what what the stats were they're looking at, if, if, if that yeah, makes sense. So it's, yeah. it's not just, you know, the stats that you see, see on Sky Sports. The owner's background is, is gambling. He's, 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 he's a gambler. Well, I say he's a gambler. He's not. Yeah. You know, no, he's, he's, yeah. Yeah. Investing risk. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's obviously got a model that's worked for him over over a period of time, which is he's then brought into Brentford. Mm-hmm. They say it's a lot more in depth than the, the sort of stats you see you go on, on the TV. But in terms of what they actually are, I couldn't tell you. And, I, and I'm probably, I'd imagine he doesn't want to tell anyone else either. <laughs> I was going to say, actually, I was going to say actually, so for you playing left back, I wonder what it was about you that made them want to bring you in. If they were using that stats model at the time, what do you think it would be? Yeah, I don't. I I actually have asked the question because there was sort of a turnover, you know, when they really changed it and brought in his own directors of football and things like. That. I, I asked him. I said, "Well, I want to stay at this club and stay in the team. What makes me a good left back? What do I need to work on?" And I sort of didn't get a straight answer. Right. So it's a secret. I, well, I say I think it is a secret because it, if it wasn't, then everyone would be doing it the way that you know the the the, the recruitment. Nine times out of ten is is successful, isn't it? So, yeah, um, yeah. I think they want to keep it under wraps as long as they can. <laughs> that's very, that's very, very interesting. So we're talking all the niceties of playing for Brentford and how you helped them progress through the league and so on. So then, how on God's earth do you go from being a big part of Brentford, I think as captain as well, to then being a regular for their rivals just across the road in QPR? How how did that even come about? <laughs> were you not worried about say the reception you get from both sets of fans? Yes, yeah, I look. I look back now, and like you say, you, you, you say, "Well, how did you end up there?" And I think it was just I wanted to do so well at that time. It was just pure tunnel vision. Yeah. For, from a professional point of view, like like we talked about the Brentford model, players come in, they do really well, and then they get sold. Yeah. So, and like I like you talked about, we, we reached the playoffs the one year. So I'm thinking, we're, we're you know we're that close away from the Premier League. All of a sudden, you know, Andre Gray leaves, James Tarkovsky leaves, other other players leave, and you're sort of starting again. And I'm thinking, well, are we are we are we going to do it or not? You know, yeah. I'm sort of sat behind thinking, you know, I, I want to do it. And you've seen all these lads leave. Um, so then it, it got to a point where you say, 
it, it was a bit disheartening because you, you get so close, the team gets ripped apart, and then it's almost felt like you're starting again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I got a call from QPR when my on a time when my contract was running down. Um, and I went and spoke to Les Ferdinand and Jimmy Floyd Asselbank was the manager at the time. And, you know, they gave me this, I went and sat down with them. They said, you know, this is how we want to play. We want to bring the age of the squad down. We really want to have a go at it. And and for me, it was just, I say it was professional tunnel vision from my point of view, thinking that that sounds good. Yeah. You know, I, I want to be, a, I want to be a part of that. I want to go to the Premier League sort of thing. And, mm. I look back now and I think I don't I don't regret going to QPR because it's like you you know it's a it's a great club and I and I was proud to play over a hundred games for them as well. But I think at that time I just lost sight of because I was a football fan yeah. myself at one point and if that was me I would have I would have hated that player as well. Yeah, you, you you know. But um, I think I just got lost in say it was tunnel vision from a professional point of view. Like I want to go. I want to go play in the Premier League. That's that to me at the time. After listening to the, the speech from Les and, and Jimmy Floyd, was was the um, was was the quickest way for me to do that. And yeah. I, I look back now and would I do it again? No, probably not. But like I say, I don't regret playing for QPR. But yeah. I would, if it, if the time came again, we'll say now, would I go from Swansea to, Swansea to Cardiff? straight there like you know not a chance it wouldn't happen you know so yeah, yeah. um i'm with that and, we, and i've got that recorded as well just in case the offer comes in and they want to take you <laughs> yeah but that's, no, so you say oh. how did i end up there i think it was at the time it was just professional tunnel vision and i wasn't really you know i was just that's all i was thinking about really i wasn't thinking about anything else you sort yeah. of maybe lost lost touch with you know the the emotional side of it, really. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm with you on that. And interestingly, I think for that season and maybe the seasons that followed, you, as QPR, we never really got as close to getting promoted as, say, Brentford did in that time. So, you know, it just goes to show sometimes, you know, people can have the best intent and say it's going to be this or say it's going to be that or say it's time to kick on and all that stuff, but it doesn't guarantee that that's going to be the case. So to talk about the two clubs, which one do you think had the greater expectations in the championship? Would you say Brentford or QPR? well to, to start with I would have said QPR at, at the time that I got there but then by the time I left it was you know it was 100% Brentford mm-hmm. and you know it's probably a similar standing to, to as it is now mm. um, you know I, I look, it's, it's strange because I look back at our QPR the three years I was there and I think I look at the squad and I go through it and I think you know we should have done far better than we did Yeah, but and then I say by the time the three years was up, I left. You know, there was there was probably bits and pieces of three different managers' yeah. squads, if yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah. I obviously came in, Jimmy had one idea, brought in some players, obviously ended up getting sacked, well, three or four months into my time there. Ian Holloway comes in, completely different profile of manager and person to mm-hmm. what Jimmy Floyd is. He brings players in. Steve McLaren comes in after that. And then by the time, so I look back by the time I left, you say there's, there's bits and pieces of people's squads, good players in and around it, but probably good for different systems. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the, the thing that we never, we never managed to just knit it all together. Really. Yeah. That was for sure. my overriding 
feeling looking looking back at, at, you know them three years really yeah for sure and to be fair let's let's be very very clear I think the championship is a very very tough league to get out of it's like incredibly tough I think you can have the probably I don't know six to eight teams every year who could go up you know yeah but just because you don't go up one year doesn't mean that the next year you're going to fix it and everything's great because in that time the three big clubs coming down as well tends to be the way. So you're always immediately on the back foot. But to, to so from there anyway, you left QPR and you went to Swansea. So like you said earlier, it's your second season there. But in the first season, you made the playoffs again, didn't you? So that was your second time. Yeah. So before we go and just talk about that moment, let's go for the overall topic. And this is the one of the big reasons I've brought you on today. Like I don't usually date the podcast in terms of talking real life events, but this is a very special show for me this one because the topic today is about the push for promotion and trying to find a chance to play at the highest level yeah so for a guy like you that's come through a premier league academy um what would sort of the chance to be able to get back to that top table how what like how does that make you feel what does it mean to you to have the opportunity or to even you know just get the chance to play against some of those players <laughs> that, that has been my from the day that I've officially left Everton, that that has been the goal is is to to get back to that level. Mm-hmm. And you and after your first couple of years at Brentford, you get promoted from League One. You're in the you in the Championship playoffs the next year. You're thinking, oh, you know, it's it's, it's going to happen sooner or later. It, it just it will it it will mm. happen sort of thing. But it's as you say, it, it's it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. It really isn't that easy. And for me, you say this will be my third third chance in the playoffs this year um, I'm, t- I'm just turned 28 so I'm obviously I've got a few years left yet but you don't know how, you don't know how often these chances are going to come Yeah. how many more of these chances you're going to get mm-hmm. you know so for me it's just not not now or never because like you say I've only just turned 28 but it's you know these these opportunities really are few and far between Yeah. For and that's sure. something I try to Pass down to the younger lads in the squad now is just make sure we're doing everything we can to make it happen now because let me say for some it might it, this might be your only chance you know so for me to get three <laughs> hopefully it's third time lucky yeah for sure for sure and for people who don't know I think so you've lost in t- twice in the semi-finals I think the first time was when you were at Brentford and you lost to Borough in 2014 and then yeah. the last time was last season with Swansea when you lost to Brentford, ironically, yeah. in 2020. So you've not actually made it to the, the final yet either, have you? That's the thing. No, we, we made it to the, the League One playoff final with Brentford okay. in my in my second year. But we ended up losing that to Yeovil somehow. I don't think no, yeah. I don't think they've won a game since. But, uh... <laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm laughing, but I'm crying inside when I think about it. Yeah, but, um, and yeah, I, no. So, like I say, hopefully it's it's, it's third time lucky. You, so this is this is what a stressed man looks like, guys. But anyway, so we spoke earlier in the season. You guys were in a good run of form. And you were closer to finishing in the top two than maybe in other years. So, you know, for people who don't know, finishing in the top two in the championship gets you promotion to the Premier League automatically. So now that you know you're in the playoffs, is there a sense of disappointment actually that you didn't make it all the way to that top two, or is it just a case of relief because you are in the playoffs? Look, I think there's always going to be when you've got the opportunity, like we did for so much of the season. You're obviously going to be a little bit disappointed of, you know, you know, sort of a what if, 
sort of, you know, you're obviously like that for a couple of weeks, but then you quickly realise that, you know, you've got to get over that because the ultimate goal is to get to the Premier League. That's that's the goal at the end, at the start of the season. Two teams have gone and done it automatically. We're still in with a chance of, of ultimately achieving what we set out to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the hardest way to, to go and do it, but, we're, you know, one out of the four teams is going to do it. So, you know, they say we, we're we still in with a chance, whereas there's 20, 20, well, 18 other teams in the championship that the, the season's done. They'd love to be where we are, mm-hmm. you know. So just, yeah, like I say, you've got to put that behind you very quickly. And the bigger picture is you want to get promoted to Premier League, how you do it. It doesn't matter at the end. As long as you're there at the end, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. Wise words from an oldish man. From an oldish man, <laughs> what, what do you think it is then? In the it's sort of in to be a player in the championship that's required for a player and for a team to actually be some one that's in the top six, because you know the, people say, "Oh, the championship it's any it's any man's game." You know, anyone can win on any weekend. Yet still, there are always certain teams that seem to win more weekends than they don't. So, what do you yeah. reckon it is actually that helps some teams be closer to the top? Um, I think the main thing is is just. Consistency, as as simple as that sounds, as well. It's just, I'd say, consistency and resilience. You know, there's 46 games in the championship. You, no one, I don't think anyone's ever going to go. No one's ever been unbeaten. I don't think ever, anyone ever will go unbeaten. Yeah. You know, and it's just that resilience of, okay, we've we've lost a game or we've we've drew a game we should have won, or say there's 46 games there's another game on Tuesday so we you've got you've got to bounce back and bounce back quick so I think if you're consistent in your messages and your style of play and how you want to do things that will take you quite you know it'll take you a long way to start and then if you've got the resilience added to that where okay things didn't go so well at the weekend but we've got another game on Tuesday we've got another game on Saturday if we can bounce back and, and pick up six points out of the next two, you know, you've still got six points out of the nine and that's just one week, mm-hmm. you know? So if you can, if you can say the resilience to bounce back quickly, if you can get that and sort of, because the game so comes so thick and fast, you, you could easy, you know, if you could easy go loss, loss, loss in a week and, and slip down, you know, five, six places, yeah. if not more, mm-hmm. you know, when, when it's tight. So if you can get that resilience of, right, okay, we've lost, it's not done, we've not done as well as we want, reflect, have a look, what can we do better, reset, go again. That just has to be the attitude mm-hmm. for, for me because, it's, like I say, if, if it's if you, if you it's not, you, can, you know, seven days, that's three games, all of a sudden it's three games less you've got. To, to, to you know ultimately achieve your goal do you know two things it's incredible how level headed you are firstly but secondly when you said 46 games I had a little shudder inside me and it maybe <laughs> just made me confirm to myself that I'm very very happy that I'm retired 46 games excluding cup oh god that's that's horrendous wow flashbacks yeah uh, it, it makes me laugh sometimes obviously the, the Premier League manager is always coming on and obviously with the COVID situation you know, 
complaining about the schedule and I think <laughs> come and spend a couple of months in the championship or league one and see how you see how you fancy that how you find that honestly that was such a thing so before I'd played in the championship with QPR you know it was, it was the whole Saturday Saturday game prep routine getting ready for the next game so on debrief after Saturday definitely Sunday off something like Monday you know a bit of work Tuesday and then I dropped to the championship it was like well yep we got a game yep we got another yeah. game we got another yeah. game and it's yeah but well, that's what I'm saying about you know the consistency of your messages of of how you want to play and and how you want to do things because you haven't you haven't got time to keep chopping and changing and you know trying this and trying that because there's literally no time. You say you play on a on a Saturday, Sunday's a, a warm down, Monday's a walkthrough because you're still really recovering from the Saturday, and then Tuesday you're at it again. So there's no. There's no time to rip the plan up and and start afresh. You know, mm-hmm. if you've got consistency in your messages and how you want to do things, and you stick to them and you build on that throughout the season, I think they're the teams that give themselves the best chance. Really, yeah, very very true. Wise words, wise words. So um, to go back to the playoff situation, then for any for the either of those two previous semi-finals, has your team been a favourite before, or will you always go in as an underdog? No, we've been. I've well, I've been in the team that's the underdog both times because the two times before we've sort of sneaked in on on the last day. Okay. Um, Brentford, we needed Derby to lose or lose or draw to someone. It was in Derby's hands anyway. Yeah. And and they, they obviously they didn't do it. We beat Wigan at home last game of the season and ended up finishing. I think we ended up finishing fifth in the end, and then. Last year was 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 a mad one as well with with um, Swansea. Not Forest had been in in the driving seat the whole way through, and I think we needed a four goal swing. We needed to win and them to lose, and a four goal swing to, to get in, and and that ended up happening as well on the last day of the season. So sort of say sneak sneaked in, you know, like we talked about forty six games. You don't sneak yeah. in anywhere. You end up finishing where you deserve to finish. But yeah. you say it was in in other teams' hands the other two times, whereas this year you just talked about we were pushing top two a lot of the way. So it does, there is a bit of a different feel to it this year. Yeah, that's the, so for everyone who doesn't know, your, your team Swansea will be playing against Barnsley and your second game is in Swansea, isn't it? Do you know if that's going to yeah. be with fans or not? I think it's just been confirmed today that, w- that there is going to be fans in. Don't okay. hold me to that, but it it looks more than likely there is going to be a few fans here. So. Okay. So with that being said, then this is the third attempt from the from the championship. Do you feel a greater sense of pressure now, especially you know now that's the fan element as well, or do you feel it's just the same as say the ones that came before? Like, do you feel the same way or not? Um, I think like like I just touched on there, from a personal point of view. They say, uh, say I'm only 28, but I don't know how many more chances I'm I'm gonna get personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel that uh, that pressure from a personal point of view, from a sort of representing Swansea point of view, the the pressure is you re- you representing a one a one club city. Yeah. You know, everyone you speak to is 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 a Swansea fan. Everyone wants the the team to do well. And the, the pressure from that side comes with the year people have had, you know, with COVID and things like that, people losing their jobs. It's just, 
more of a pressure of giving people something to look forward to. Yeah. And and representing this the city in that way, really. Um so I'd say that's the the pressure from from the other side, if you know what I mean. You just want to represent the club and the city and, and give them something at the end of it, which well, it's been a terrible year for most people, hasn't it? So mm, mm. if we can give people something to to look forward to and celebrate, then you know that'd be you know icing on the cake, really. <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all then. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it for the previous two times you've been there? Then is there anything you do differently, like looking back, or is, or have you really been consistent throughout? Um. This, this is something I've been, I've been trying to think back on on the, on the last couple of weeks since I've known we've been in, in you know, it's been guaranteed we're going to be in the playoffs. Um, and I just, like you, you've obviously worked with me before, I'll try and do everything yeah. as much as I can, as prepare as well as I can from game one to game 46. Yeah. So, like they say, it's all about consistency. The plan, The plan for the team won't change my plan won't change. I just think maybe I should draw on them pressures a little bit more to, to maybe bring out a, yeah, you know, a extra couple of yourself, percent, yeah. Yeah. you know, maybe, and maybe look back and I've, I, I've just tried to approach it as it's, it's another game, you know, do the exact same things. I try and do everything I can anyway. So what more can I do? But if you, I think maybe just embrace the pressure a little bit more as, yeah. as, as strange as that sounds, people try and take the pressure off. But I think for me, maybe try and embrace it a little bit more. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, you know, the big, the are big games. There's, there's, you know, whatever way you want to dress it up, the big games. So I think, I think that's something I'm going to try and do more is, is embrace the pressure rather than, you know, go, go the other way of it and try and take the pressure off. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot, especially knowing you, like for me personally, some of the best games I've had have been in the most high pressure situations because yeah. you can find that little bit extra. Like that was to be clear to say my American audience here, I think at times that was one of the issues with, uh, well, not an issue, but some, I felt like some people who play in the MLS, for example, because they don't really play under true pressure. You can never see what their potential actually is going to be because I've always found when the stakes are the highest, you look at other sports and that's when people pull out some of their best performances because it's yeah. not a case of, you know, we've got next time or next week or next season. It's like, you have to do it right now. You look at some of the iconic players from even our sport, like Ronaldo's and Messi's and so on, how they step up on the biggest occasions. Barcelona need this, Juve need that. And lo and behold, those guys step up and other people do, and they do that. And it's probably not because they're going out there saying, well, it's just another game. Because, yeah. You know, because it, me it means everything to them, so... Yeah, man, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'll be honest, I'm looking forward to this. I do, <laughs> I do have a, I do have somebody in the in the Barnsley camp who I do know, but I'm looking forward to this tie. So I guess it's a win-win situation for me. And yes, I am very excited, but I'm also, as I say, very very glad that I'm not feeling anything that the U4 team is going to be seeing. <laughs> I'm going to be watching the game with my feet up, maybe a drink in hand, possibly a takeaway, just sliding down me as well. But you know, good luck to you, man. Good luck to you. But anyway, back to you, back to your career quickly then. So throughout the 400 plus games that you've played so far, what would you say your best moment has been? My best moment? Uh, um, it could be your favourite or your best performance or whatever. What would you say your best has been? Um, best performance? <laughs> 400 games and I'm struggling to find the moment. <laughs> That's because you've had so many. That's why. <laughs> 
Um, in, in terms of, uh, it's, it's hard to pick a moment, but you just you look back on, on milestones, I suppose. So obviously making my debut, playing for Everton mm-hmm. is something I'll always, always be proud of. Um, and then the other one that stands out to me is is the the, the first Cardiff Swansea game. Mm-hmm. Um, and we won one nil, and it's just. I think being in London, you don't appreciate. You don't, and maybe that explains going straight from Brentford to QPR. You, you don't bump into fans all the time. You yeah, know, there's, yeah. You, you, you just, you know, you're a very, very small fish in a in a very, very big pond. Yeah. In, in society, really. Yeah. Um, but just being, like I say, in Swansea, it's a one city, one club city. Seeing what that meant to people beating Cardiff was just that that was that was amazing for me as well yeah um and, and some again I was, was probably haven't appreciated before being in London like I say you, you don't bump into fans all the time because there's just just too many people I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's true that is the, that you know that is the London factor because even down there like I used to get I used to get the train the tube the whatever it wouldn't make any difference and nobody's biting an eyelid but you try yeah. and do that in some of the other cities, like you're doing that in Manchester, you're doing whatever. People are like, what, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? But in there, <laughs> like being a footballer, it's like, it's irrelevant because it's a city that's got film stars. It's got billionaires. Yeah, exactly. It's got whatever. Like, oh, it's cute. Oh, you, you played here over there in that stadium. Oh, that's, that's adorable. <laughs> well, all right. For somebody that's so positive then, what would you say your toughest time has been so far in your career? My toughest time, um, you know, there was there was times at the three years at QPR, my confidence was, you know, th- through the floor really. That I say that the team wasn't doing very well, and you just you like like any sportsman, I suppose you you, you end up questioning yourself and thinking, you no, know, am I good enough? Blah blah blah, all that sort of stuff. And they say for a team that finished in the bottom half of the championship for the three years I was there, I'd probably say I'd have to say that was the toughest toughest part of my career definitely um at at, at certain not not the whole three years yeah. as a as a block you know there was times we we did well and um in, in my last year we were sort of pushing playoffs toward you know towards new year and then we sort of obviously fell away but um I'd, I'd, yeah i'd say that there was there was times in that three years where you just you say you, you your confidence is just at rock bottom really which you know, you you come out the other side. Eventually, you just have to keep working and just go. I always I always go back to the process and think that I'll just as well if things are going well or things aren't going well, I'll just I'll work as hard as I can and eventually you you find yourself coming out of them tough moments. But um, yeah, I'd definitely say times at times at QPI it, it was tough. Yeah. For me, having played with you, I say consistency in terms of approach is a very, very big strength of yours because you, you're unwavering. You know, even when people are tired, they still see you doing the same thing you were doing when you were feeling fresh. Like, and it's very, incre- it's incredible to see. But I wasn't going to plan on going this way, but I'm going to go this way. So, for somebody like you, then, what? Why would you lose confidence? Why? Why would you personally lose confidence when you when all we're doing is playing football? What's the issue? What What lives in your mind? <laughs> I think if, if if you're just part of a of a team and you say so you're not doing very well and you're getting beat and like like we talked like we talked about before it's relentless. <laughs> if you get into that sort of rut of results and it's Saturday, 
you've lost, you're down. You go again Tuesday, you lose. Mm-hmm. It gets worse, and it's it sort of just mentally exhausting, just grinds you down, I suppose. But how you get to that point, it's it's hard to put your finger on because if if you could, you'd make sure you never got there, I suppose. Yeah. But it's, I think when you just when you're part of something and you and you like say you're losing. Um, and like like you say, I, I played pretty much every game, so I was always a part of it. I was never, I was never one sitting on the bench thinking, "Oh, that you know, that's mm-hmm. that's bad." I'm glad I'm not out there. I was always, I was always in it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and obviously, when when results aren't going your way, and like you say, you're a part of it, you, you will have missed. I'm sure they'll, I'll look back and there were goals that were my fault, you know, m- more than one, mm-hmm. and you know. When them when them moments come in a confined space of time, you know it it, it can get hard. So, but like 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 we just said, for me, I'll always go back to working as hard as I possibly can. If I'm if I'm playing well or if I'm not, and eventually I've always found throughout my career, like you say, you come out the other side, and that was my way of getting my way getting my way out of that rut if, 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 you, if yeah, you know what I mean I know exactly I know exactly what you mean and like I say it's a good thing to be able to fall back on because it is consistent it's not going to be it's not going to turn up now or and you know disappear at some other point when you need it that is you that defines who you are and it's it's really interesting to hear people who, obviously you are younger than me but hear people talk about say a dropping confidence and stuff like this because you're a very good footballer like the stuff that you've done which has been exceptional is always available to you. And there's, I always wonder to myself sometimes for certain players who have like great ability, like why, why doubt yourself at any point? Because for some of the players who we've played with, some of their best seasons have happened when their teams have done the worst because yeah. they can still find something within themselves. Like we're talking about goalkeepers who make a ton of saves, strikers who score a ton of goals or someone who, you know, has a ton of assists or something like that. You know, for as much as you can't necessarily control the success of a team i feel like the individual performance of a person doesn't necessarily need to be aligned with the team itself because you yeah. can try and make things better and you know it doesn't guarantee that the team will do better and so on but you should never doubt yourself man because what got you there like you know what i mean it wasn't through that like you, you just just be you man come on yeah I, I think it's just you you get so wrapped up in in the the football world and you and you want to do so well when things don't go your way you end up overthinking things and yeah. then that's how things start to sort of spiral. But if you, you know, put things into perspective, you know, there's, there's other things going on in the world really. And I think you, you just, as a footballer, sometimes when say when it's, when it is so busy of the schedule as well, you just, you end up forgetting that. And I think that's, to be fair, that's something I've got better at over the last couple of years is I know I'm going in every day. I'm working as hard as I can to improve and working as hard as I can for the team, trying to help the team. At the end of the day, you know, there's not much more you can do, really, is there? Yeah, it's, uh, exactly, exactly. And unless, that's what it is. Unless we forget as well, like we try and add so many layers to it. But well, well, this is obviously me retired now. But we were just we're just playing football. One thing I've realized yeah. from being retired, the stuff that we did as pros, like I'm kind of doing it when I'm playing power league and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's just, it's a lot more fun because you don't have the layers around it. It's not the judgment. Yeah. Well, if you don't do well today, you're not going to play on Saturday or this guy's got all the energy. <laughs> this guy hasn't like, you just go out. You just, just play some football, man. 
Yes, and that's yeah. that's when you. I think that's when you're at your best. But anyway, so um, I don't know if you're breaking the news or whatever, but apparently, you know, you're expecting a child. Yeah, is that is that correct? <laughs> that is, yeah, that's um, a long time. You know, somebody you've been on at me for a while. Oh, about, so, uh, have I? Have I? So shout out to Meg. Um, so that's what. That's why you were one of the first people I told because I knew I wasn't sure he was going to be more excited when I found out it was me. <laughs> I, used to I always ask the question, why not? If you're happy, why not? Seriously, because you know, obviously, I'm trying to live my life through others, but one of my biggest regrets is not having children earlier because then I can I feel yeah. like I can enjoy them in a better physical state. You know, being able to do things with them and so on. But yeah. anyway, regards to that my because it's not about me this is, it may be my podcast but it's not about me you're kicking back with me you're not kicking back listening to my stories but do you think um having a family will change the way you see the game or do you think it's already changed i think it's already changed and i think it will change more obviously the baby's not here yet but once he or she is is here i think it will change even more mm-hmm. um and I know lads that I've played with sort of my age who've got kids already have, have said the same thing. And like you've just said, at the end of the day, it is just football. And I remember one of the lads I played with and he just, he was talking about his little girl and he said, it's just, he gets home and she, and she smiles at him and she's happy to see him. Mm. At the end of the day, that's, you know, that's, that's what matters at the end of the day, I suppose. It's, yeah. um, and that, and we talk about putting things in, into perspective. I think there's nothing bigger than that. Obviously, you will know. Yeah, you would know better than me. But Listen, for me, like you could have not saying I did, but you could have the worst game in history, the worst in history. Your kids could have been at the stadium. You could be getting booed by twenty thousand people. Your kids will get home with you, and they'll have no idea what's going on. They will say, "Oh, daddy, can we go play?" Yeah. You're like, "Yeah." Absolutely, yeah. It's 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 a it's a game changer, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you as a father because it's as I say, it's without doubt, I think the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. But anyway, everybody that comes on the show, they have to answer this one particular question, and I'm putting you on the spot so I can get some honest answers. But I want to know a five aside team, the best five aside team you can create of players that you've played with, and we're talking yeah. and we're talking like actual like I hate the fact I have to do this. Because us as footballers, we can talk about five aside, and we're used to having five outfield players and disregarding the goalkeeper. But I'm talking <laughs> a goalkeeper and four outfielders. So five aside okay. like that, please. So there's so there's got to be a goalkeeper. Yes. Okay. Um, I tell you, what, I'll go with goalkeeper. I'll go with Tim. Seems it's five aside. I'll yeah. go Tim Howard. The American Didn't fans will be very him. happy with that. They'll be very very happy with that. Yeah, he was obviously the, the number one when I was coming through at Everton. Um, unbelievable goalkeeper, goalkeeping ability, but just energy around the place as well. Just, to, just obviously didn't get to know him on a very personal level, but working in the same building as him, just the energy he gave off around the place was amazing as well. But I, I don't know how many American caps he ended up with, but, you know, some goalkeeper as well. So yeah, I'll go Tim Howard. Um I'll pick. I'll pick you. I'll pick you fine self. Oh, go cool. on! I've made one. I finally made one. You picked just the right guest, and you get yourself in there. <laughs> Seeing as we're playing a, a one at the back, yeah, that's that's my role. I'm just think, 
Yeah, I'm just thinking about the rest of the team, so it will be a one of them back as well. That's that's you know what, even <laughs> even in retirement now, like I'm playing those power leagues and I still can't help but stay back when everyone just goes running forward. I can I can literally can't help it, mate. <laughs> that's why you're that's why exactly why you're in my team. Yes, sir. <laughs> um we'll go we'll go with Ravel, Ravel Morrison. Oh yes. Um he's good for a five obviously, aside. Uh, yeah, five aside and obviously it's in First time, there's no words to describe what people haven't said about him already. Yeah. You know, natural ability, second to none. And on a five aside pitch, you'd think he'd be untouchable. So, yeah. We'll go with Ravel. Strikers, um, we'll go with Yakubu. Oh, yes. He, you, yeah, Yakubu, he, he played He played in the in the game. Did the Europa League game, yeah, he played in it. But again, Seeing him day in day out, just finishing was just incredible. Everything was posting in, siding in, you know, <laughs> just no no power, just just rolled into the corner. Just yeah, no, one, no one could do anything about. Yeah, um, and I go with Harry Kane as well. Was fortunate enough to come through the England age groups with him. So obviously. What he's gone on to do speaks for itself. I don't think he needs any. <laughs> he scored one or two goals, you could say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did all right. He did all right. I think. It's, uh... Yeah. So that's that's not that's not that's not a bad team at all. And with that, I've got actually I've got one more question. Um, should you make it to the playoff final, would I be able to call you in one of these episodes and just get a little heat check to see how you're feeling leading up to it? Hundred percent. Anything for you, Chief? Perfect, man. Perfect. Well, that's it then. And with that, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show again, and good luck in the playoffs. I'm sure my listeners will be checking in for that game, and maybe this is third time lucky, huh? No, thanks for having me, mate. It's um, I, lo- I was looking down your list of guests before, and I was thinking I'm I'm not sure how I've made it on here with some of these that's city a, legends and, sto- and all a that. Story is a story is a story, regardless of the mouth that it comes from, my friend. Do not worry about that. I'm glad to have you on, and you've told us you sh- what you said about the playoffs and stuff like that. There, I've not heard that. We're nearly 80 episodes in. We've not heard that side of things yet because this is you know this is why this is why I brought you on. So thank you very much, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, mate. No worries at all, my pal. You have a good one. Yeah, take it easy, mate. Take, take it easy, sir. Bye for now. Cheers, mate. So they have it my people, exciting times ahead for Jake and for all the other teams in this year's playoffs. Who do you think is going to make it to the promised land? Be sure to reach out on social media to let me know. The handle, like always, is kickback underscore Nadem and that is on Instagram and on Twitter. But now, to close, let me say thanks again for tuning in and also a big thank you like always to Mr. Producer Man, Ryan Hale. And lastly, remember to subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already. Bye for now.